0: Uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled about seeing your faces. It has been such a joy to preach to an empty room for so long. It's my spiritual gift of sarcasm, alive and well, right there. Let's pray as we get into the Word today. We're in our second section or second iteration of our security uh, series, and I was sharing with everybody this morning, just moments ago, that if you think it, you live anywhere close to the Naval Weapons Station here, and if you're watching on broadcast today, th- that sounds really nefarious. It's been shut down for decades. And, uh, you know, the past few months, as I come over Bailey every day to come to the church, I've noticed these individuals with like, like camouflage on, <laughs> hiding in the bushes with big telephoto lenses and binoculars, and, uh, and they look like they've got bivouac vehicles parked in the ditches off to the side. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And then this morning, I noticed when I was coming down, there, there's a, a, a police vehicle. And then as I kept going, I noticed that a big section of the fence had been rolled back, not like a cow burst through, but like G.I. Joe went in with laser cutter technology, rolled that thing back. And so it just was this perfect visualization. First of all, so if you live anywhere close, like Scott, you guys should move, (laughs) definitely, because you think things aren't happening. Things are happening. Uh, But it made me think about this false sense of security that we have. And spiritually applied, we started with that last week, talking about eternal security. That's where we should start. And if you missed that message, I encourage you, that is the most important one in all of the messages in this series. Go back, watch it, look at it, listen to it, respond to it. But let's ask the Lord to open our eyes this morning as we get into the idea of security in relationships. That should be an easy tell this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come to you with a sense of joy, uh, of, of peace, of fullness, of unity, uh, with um, our church family being able to be back together today. And what a, what a rejoicing moment. And we know that there are many that are watching, um, and so we, we, thank, uh, we thank you for bringing us the people and bringing us the technology Um, for us to be able to do an equally honorable job uh, with being able to encourage spiritually all those who are searching. We pray for the hearts this morning as they are searching that they would meet you. To you be all glory, Father. Amen. Well, let's start with Psalm 40. That is our key passage throughout this entire uh, sermon series. And so as we look at Psalm 40 today, you can turn in your scriptures there. It's it's one of my favorite Psalms uh, that dates back to uh, my early 20s. And um, the idea is the contrast of where we tend to be, where we tend to feel we are, versus where the Lord can take us and where the Lord can serve us, or or encourage us, listen carefully. David writes these words, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction. Or if you have an NIV, it says the miry clay. Out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That is my hope as we move forward with this series that we put our trust in the Lord. That is where true security lies. So today we're going to look at this idea of relationships. Let me ask this question. Do you feel as if your relationships are transcendently secure or toxically tragic? There are so many different ways to measure this question. If you're grandparents, how are you with your children? How are you with your grandchildren? If you are newlyweds, How is it going if you are children in a household? How is that relationship between you and your parents? On and on it goes. Your work relationships, your church family relationships. You know, somewhere a mother sits alone at a kitchen table, slowly eating a humble dinner by herself thinking of children who never ask how she is, never to compliment her on how she sacrifices for them, never recognize for the love she puts into every meal, pulling extra hours at work, doing laundry and fixing toilets by herself because her family is too busy to show any level of care for her. You know, somewhere a six-year-old boy stares at his mom and dad, not being heard, not being seen. Instead, he sees them entranced in their own virtual worlds on their phones and realizes his worth cannot compare to a TikTok video or an email from work. Somewhere, a friend is home alone on Valentine's Day because they have no one who is thought to call them special, celebrate them, or love them. Instead, they spend hours playing a video game and covering their hurt with cyber medication. Somewhere, a dad is mocked just for being a dad. That may sound odd to you, but... Our society has gone so far down this road, I can just give you this terminology so it synthesizes us into the same nomenclature, dad jokes. When you say dad jokes, that's not meant to inspire, right? Somewhere a dad is mocked just for being a dad. Eyes roll and silence is a common message from the family. He can't remember the last time anyone in the family hugged him or recognized his talents, hard work, and success in providing for the family. Somewhere, a boss overhears employees talking trash about their leadership style from the very people he hired and gave a job. Somewhere, a pastor becomes angry and bitter because the church he shepherds has decided to head in a new direction with a younger, more vibrant person. (laughs) Don't get any ideas. Ow. I'm going to pay for that one. Somewhere, a pastor becomes angry and bitter because the church he shepherds has decided to head in a new direction with a, a younger, more vibrant person. And those who he thought were friends have stabbed him in the back. Even if his skills have diminished or bad decisions have been made, the transition is always handled poorly and wrong, and there becomes an irreconcilable chasm between those who were once in unity. Conversely, somewhere a congregation lies in shock. And a feeling of complete betrayal as the pastor announces he senses the Lord moving him to a different ministry. One that would allow him to grow and explore new opportunities, one that will give him a larger ministry and a greater personal exposure. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Depressed yet? On this, what I term National Hallmark Day, you know, it's a giant conspiracy by Hallmark. My wife will tell you that every day is Valentine's Day in our house. I woke up this morning, got into my routine, came back into the bedroom, and and there's a box on the bed. And the last thing I remember out of my wife's mouth on Saturday was, don't get me anything, okay? Let me just share with you this insipid thing called Valentine's Day. Uh, So she keeps saying, don't get me anything. I found this beautiful couch that I thought she would really, really like, but I was gone. I was out of town last week, and they sold it. And so probably not recommended, but I told her, yeah, I was going to get you this really nice couch that I thought you were going to like. But it's gone. I can't get that. By the way, that's really good technique, guys. You should probably, probably employ that. And, and what do I hear? Honey, you don't have to do that. Don't get me anything. So then for about two weeks, my wife has been pining for a certain sweet. I don't understand that because I should be sweet enough. <laughs> but she has been pining around the house For those C's candies, rectangular caramel suckers. You know the ones we're talking about, right? So I've got it all lined up. I've got a plan. And yeah, you better cover your eyes, son. (laughs) I've got it all lined up. And what shows up at my house on Friday night? A giant box of C's candy suckers from my daughter's boyfriend, who stood in line for an hour and a half in Walnut Creek. First of all, that's a rookie move. You should need to go to a smaller town, smaller seas Candies. I should mentor you in how to do this. But he stole my gift to my wife. Well done. She loves you more than me now. It's all working out just great. So I get to my box this morning with the message over and over I've been sabotaged multiple times about Valentine's Day and demonstrating my love in this beautiful relationship. And what do I have waiting for me? This incredible coat. I am really hot and I'm sweating like a pig right now. But I'm wearing this thing because it's Valentine's Day. Love you, honey. So I'm in big trouble, you know. Captain Love over here (laughs) stole away my gift and I've got nothing and now I'm wearing this beautiful coat. So pray for me. I obviously need to pick it up when it comes to relationship um, so that mine isn't a toxic one. Um, But but looking at, at this idea, what is your idea of a secure relationship? Let me ask these questions. Let's go to the next slide because I want to ask you these questions. Why are we so insecure in our relationships, right? I mean, Valentine's Day really feeds that whole thing. How many individuals will get to 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and hear over and over and over, and, and maybe they go out to lunch um, with a friend Maybe they don't. And and so all for the sake of commercialism. Here, what we're talking about today is how to feel secure in your relationships. How do we do that? Is it possible? So we're going to ask some questions to see if we can get ourselves thinking along the same lines. So, number one, what is your idea of a secure relationship? Maybe your idea of a secure relationship is one where I get a coat, right? I know my wife loves me because I got this phenomenal coat. Maybe it's how much that person speaks to you and cares for you. Maybe it's just the two of you breathing next to each other in barca loungers, watching you know, the Discovery Channel for 14 straight hours, I don't know what your idea of a secure relationship is, but this morning we're going to look at the tragedy and the toxicity of insecure relationships and how that can flip on its head. Why are so many relationships broken or toxic? One of the challenge I, uh, challenges I have in my own life when, when I, I did propose to my wife is that I looked at all the marriages and all the... All the um, relationships around me, even in the church, and I was hard-pressed to find a single one that I respected, that I thought, that's it. That's what I've been taught. That's what scripture teaches. This is what we should be able to see. Now, I was pretty young and disconnected as well, so I'm sure there were those relationships, and as I look back, there were plenty of those relationships around me. I just couldn't see them at the time because there were so many toxic ones that were dominating my, my purveyance right? So this morning, maybe we need to ask ourselves, why are so many relationships broken or toxic? How can we set our feet on the rock that we hear about in Psalm 40? By the way, does it say that we set our feet on the rock? No. And this is why we feel insecure. I, that this will be the premise of the sermon today, this is why I believe we are so insecure in so many relationships. And let me start by saying this, there is a reality to the fact that a lot of our relationships are toxic and there's nothing you can do about that. But what I want to encourage you with this morning is even if that is the case, there is a way for you to be secure regardless of the other people around you those other individuals that you are quote-unquote in relationship with. Today I want to pull back the curtain on our way, oh, on why our relationships get sabotaged. C.S. Lewis says this, and, and this, is, this is pithy, so hang on to your seats. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. We see that demonstrated by none other more so than Jesus Christ. And in effect, with what I call the sweet 16 of the scriptures, God the Father Himself. And we'll get there in a little bit. Let me give you this quote Our security in our human relationships can only bloom independently from the fickle devotion of codependency. Let's think about that for a minute. Our security, if that's what we're talking about, right? Security. If our security in our human relationships can only bloom independently from the fickle devotion, I'm sorry, it can only bloom independently from the fickle devotion of codependency. If your security depends on how someone else treats you, you will never feel secure. If we haven't learned at this point in time how it is that we treat each other in our frailty, in our sinfulness, in our selfishness, and at certain levels it is unavoidable because we struggle in our sinful state. Eventually, even the kindest, most wonderful person, Hanny Naun, will eventually break your heart. That just doesn't work. I cannot imagine that, right? Sinet's so like, let me tell you, I grew up with the man. I've got stories. Don't ask. <laughs> yeah, Hanny's got a bunch of people in the house today. They're, they're being very respectful and quiet, so. But think about it again. If, if my security in my relationships is dependent on others, I will never, never feel secure. Do you, do you grasp that? So what do we do? What do we do with this? Well, Lewis is very wise, obviously. <laughs> he's one of the most quoted individuals on, uh, in the history of mankind. But he's very wise in his assessment. The answer is not to lock down, lock away and isolate. So I I encourage even those that are are home now, we are working very hard to make sure that we have a safe environment for you. And I want to encourage you that I have talked with many churches all over the place that that put into effect these kinds of of protocols and everybody's distance, and we're wearing masks, thank you so much, that this is just as safe as it is Actually, it's more safe. I was in Ikea yesterday. That was my gift, my Valentine's gift to my wife. Like making it all the way through the Ikea maze and still being alive. And you want to talk about a super spreader, Ikea is a super spreader. But I just, I implore you guys, understand that isolation is never good. God has created us for relationship, amen? He has created us for relationship, and what happens is when that relationship hurts, when we become insecure, we want to shrink back, right? Or we, in in turn, become toxic ourselves. Let me encourage you, and I think this is on the next slide, here we go, well done. Trade your common expectations for uncommon or godly expectations. One of the first parts of of my premarital counseling with couples, that the first session is on expectations. Because so much good or bad happens based off of expectations and not recognizing. It's amazing how much fun I have in those counseling sessions. Because I I share with them, yeah, we're going to talk about expectations. And probably 80% of the time they're like, well, that's kind of a waste of time. What are you talking about? Why would we need to? And by the end of that session, (laughs) they're just sitting there with drool, hanging out their mouth, just wondering, I never thought of that. And I, I face that in crisis counseling as well, you know, thinking, well, why did you expect that from him? Or why did you expect that from her? Well, just because that's how it was when I grew up. Or that's what I saw on social media. Somebody else's husband bought those suckers first. (laughs) Trade your common expectations for uncommon. You want to know how to survive in an insecure relationship environment? You've got to go to God the one who demonstrated in the midst of absolute rejection the faithfulness of true love, providing security for us spiritually. So let's take a look. Turn in your scriptures to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is our text today. And... I'm sure, I've I've had a fun time looking at all the other pastors I'm connected with and what they're preaching on today, and uh, I'm preaching on this because it was slotted in my series on security, Uh, but it just, we know what's on your minds today, right? All you at home, if you have plans and you're going to do something special for uh, the one you love, raise your hand right now. Okay, well, you just gave it away. You better follow through, okay? And and if you didn't raise your hand, I'm glad we're not tuned into your living room right now, but you're tuned into us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Now, before I get there, actually, let's go back one slide. Before I get there, I want you to wrestle with this. This is the primary teaching point today, all right? This idea of how do we live securely in the midst of insecure relationships? How can we live in an uncommon way when everything around us is so common? Here it is. The complete message synthesized in this statement. Number one, invest in what cannot be stolen, broken, or corrupted. Let me say that again. Invest in what cannot be stolen, broken, or corrupted. We'll clarify that as we go through the, the passage here in a minute. God's unmitigated grace working in, through, and around you, free from dependency of reciprocity. Number one, invest in what cannot be stolen, broken, or corrupted. That is a biblical concept. It's riddled throughout the New Testament. When Paul, when Christ, when John, when Peter all speak to the idea and the fact that what you do in your life and the time that God has given you, invest in the things that will have eternal security. Everything else is going to burn or fade or turn to what? dust. So we're borrowing from that concept when it comes to our what? Our relationships. I, with Borrowing from that word invest, think of it in these terms. How many of you walk up to an ATM that you have no relationship with and just expect it to spit money out to you? Right? That, that's kind of... First of all, if you're doing that, understand you are being filmed. And, and it'll probably be used on, on a video somewhere. Just like, would you please just give me the money? Just give me the money. Let's go. Come on. I'm, I'm, sensing, some, I'm sensing some bad vibes here because you're not responding to me, right? But this is how we treat our relationships. If you want the reciprocity from the ATM machine... What do you need to do first? Before you put the card in, what do you have to do first? You better put some money in there if you want some money back. (laughs) Or that video is going to have a big relationship with you and some people with badges. This is not common to our thinking in our relationships, is it? What we are fed is that we know we're in love because of how this other person makes what? Makes me feel. How they complete me. Janine, you complete me. (laughs) Just for those at home, all the women in the room just went, oh. And all the guys (laughs) eye-rolled. Appropriately. But when you think about that ATM, my friends, it's a pretty poignant picture, is it not? You've got to put the deposit in. When you put the deposit in, how many of you walk up to the ATM and you're like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be rejected? Some of us do, okay? Okay. But no, if you've put something into it, you have a confidence when you walk up to your bank and you say, hey, I am requesting this action be done for what? For me. Now, it breaks down the further out you get, but you understand the point, right? That our society tells us that relationships are built on what the person does for me. And this is why we have a constant litany of broken and toxic relationships. Let me just say this. Is that sometimes when we speak about this and pastors speak about it and we look at the love chapter, we disregard the value of how a person makes me feel. Okay, we're not gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater. It is perfectly fine to speak about the love and affection. Read Paul's epistles and how he speaks about his affection in his remembrance because of their faithfulness to God and to him, right? So that's fine. It's just don't build your security on that response back. That's where we can start to explore this and truly have security in all of our relationships, whether you have a toxic one at work, whether you have one within your own family, whether you have one uh, with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children, on and on. So we've got to invest in what cannot be stolen, broken, or corrupted. So what does that mean? In, in In the process of moving into security, we have to look at God's unmitigated grace. What does that mean? That means without holding back, God's gifts given to us even though we don't deserve them. See how that's now uncommon. Rarely do we have relationships that are willing to sacrifice for someone who has not been kind to you, who has not been loving to you. That is not common, and that's where the relationship begins to become toxic and breeds insecurity. But what we're saying here is that we can draw upon God's unmitigated grace, grace that flows without hesitation, or grace that's given to us without us qualifying for it. Amen? And it works in me, in you. It works through us to those around us when we don't have the energy. And it works free from the dependency of somebody giving me something back. Can you possibly imagine living life like that? and being secure and satisfied. I am sharing with you today, and now we're going to look at the Word of God, I'm sharing with you that there is without doubt a way to do that. And not just theoretically or or theologically, but I have seen this in my own life, not in, in relationship within my household, but in other relationships throughout my life. I have seen and heard about it from other saints, from people in the church, from mentors, from people that, that I performed their weddings years ago, decades ago. I have seen this work over and over and over. Let's get into it. 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven. Now, before we read through this, I have to help you reset your thinking. I don't actually have my premarital's Read this love chapter. It doesn't exist in any of my materials. Don't you find that odd? When we speak about what love is, when Paul speaks about what love is, he was writing to what church? Big test. The Corinth church, yes. Because it's in there. There's just a child running down the sidewalk. Oh, there's Dad. Okay. Sorry, I panicked for a second. I felt insecure. He's a quick one. So, Dad or the child, Zion. Zion. I wasn't naming names. Man, I'm telling you, where was I? Yes, that we look at this passage. When I say love is patient and kind usually where we go with that is this idea that I need to then be what? Boy, you're assuming way too much. If, if you naturally think, well, then I need to be patient and kind, you're like level 400 on, on the marriage class because typically what happens is he needs to be patient and kind. Read this verse. This is what it means to be a believer. Read this verse hear my tone? (laughs) Patient and kind. But even if we look at it to ourselves, we're missing the point. Let me open your eyes and your heart to what Paul is actually saying. These attributes are of who? Man or God? They're godly attributes. So they are without mitigation. They are without hesitation. They are, they are without any kind of blockade to them. So, do you want to draw on the common or do you want to draw on the uncommon when it comes to relationships? I hope this looks appetizing to you. And I hope you, you look at this passage a little bit differently from now on, that you're looking and saying, it is through God that love can be patient and kind. Many of you are well-versed in the idea of when we see this word love, it is the word agape. Agape means this idea of sacrifice, right? Sacrificial love, perfect love. We have this word charity that that is synonymous because in some ways, the, the word charis, the Greek word charis, uh, carries some of this idea of what God's love, agape love, does in action. So love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Come on, just admit it. I, I-, I want to know. Have you ever like just dropped this verse on someone you're in a relationship with? Have you left it secretly at a coworker's desk? at some point in time? And and if you haven't, but now you're like, wow, pastor, that's a really good idea. No! (laughs) Address your own heart. You're feeding, if, if that's where you're going, you are feeding the insecure relationship. You will not change those individuals. Now, if you start talking in terms of in casual relationship conversation, If you start talking about how, hey, you know, there's something changing for me, I'm learning something about this this passage of scripture where it talks about love is patient, love is kind, it's not rude, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant, right? It doesn't seek its own way. Oh my goodness, that is so hard for me. But I've seen some things change in me because this is the character of God And this is how he treats me when I treat him so badly. Can you imagine God being in a codependent relationship with mankind? If he is not, then you stop. And so, if you stop, where do you go from there? You take on these attributes of who God is. You and I take on these attributes of who God is. Love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way where in here does it say love provides caramel suckers it's in there <laughs> yeah in the aramaic It's in there. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Now I want you to pause on that. Have you ever been so mad at someone that you're in relationship with that you made a conscious choice to do something that would hurt them? And it can be as simple as just not talking. Oh, what a weapon that is. Now, men, that's just our nature, so women, don't go home and start beating up the guy saying, you should hear what pastor said about your refusal to communicate with me. I'm talking about when there's an agenda when your feelings have been hurt or you haven't been satisfied by your spouse, and so you want to punish that person by severing relationship by not talking. You know what I'm talking about, but I'm not really talking about. Can you imagine God doing that to us? Yet what he says is, simply ask in my name. Does he say, well, we have to be in great relationship for you to come talk to me? Never. And how often does God speak to us, even though we are not being faithful? Peter spoke to this, and I believe he spoke from his heart. Having known where he was and knowing that people knew where he was with denying Christ three times... That Peter speaks to this idea that even when, we are, even when we are faithless, he is what? He is faithful. This is the character of God. Trade the common for the uncommon if you want security in your relationships. Run to the Father who is not in a codependent relationship with anybody and learn from him. And here it is be satisfied in him. Amen? Because when I get to that point, when I get to that point, everything else is gravy. And that goes back to me speaking to the idea that it is okay for us to get enjoyment and feel a sense of love when people love us, when God loves us. That is fine. That is a beautiful thing. That's how God has wired it. That is a That is a godly thing. But when I make that the thing, now I am codependent and my relationships become toxic and now I feel insecure again. Okay? So again, love is patient because God is what? Love is kind because God is what? We're getting there. We're getting better. Okay? Love does not envy or boast because God does not what? Okay, It is not arrogant or rude because God is not what? Fantastic. It does not insist on its own way because God does not. Now, hang on. Don't preach heresy, folks. I was building to that. That took a while. Got a little exhausted getting there. God is allowed to insist on his own way because it is always righteous and holy. That's the beauty of it. Do you know how much I would love to be in a relationship where I knew the other person was right all the time? (laughs) I set that up. I didn't expect it from the far right. I expected it more center right. But wouldn't that be beautiful? Because if we were both drawing upon the Lord, what would be happening? We would be unified all the time. We wouldn't take a half hour to figure out what movie to watch or where to go for dinner. Right? Spiritual gift of sarcasm. The more important things apply there. The more in-depth things apply. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It rejoices with the truth. Now, does this give me license to just start smacking people with the truth paddle, left and right? No, because God gives us free will. Look at the life of Christ. Rich ruler comes up to him and says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus knows exactly where this is going. He starts giving him softballs. You know, something right down the middle at about 20 miles an hour. And he just keeps smacking it out of the park. I did that. Yep, I'm good at that. Yeah. I did. And Jesus knew the the entire time, you cannot hit the curve. And here it comes. Go and sell everything and give the proceeds to the poor. Now, that's something. I mean, we've got it up here. Whatever you did for the least of these, this is something that matters to the Lord. In this situation, he's speaking to the person's heart. He wants relationship, and he's testing the heart. If you really want secure relationship, eternal life in heaven, you have to be willing to do what is right, what is truthful. And you think you're, you're great at it. You think you've got it all figured out. But we all have our dark corners, don't we? And so the only security is the truth of the Lord. And when relationships together can respond to that, it, it unifies them. When you do not have a relationship where the individual is appealing to God's standard, then what do you do? This is a great question. Pay attention. You trust in the one whose life that person is in the hands of. You trust in the one that has the security of that person's well-being. Do you understand how freeing that is? As opposed to me trying to change that person's mind all the time, or fix that person in that relationship. You start giving it over in prayer. You start treating them, regardless of how you're treated, you start treating them like God treats us. The example, with kindness, with patience. These are the hard things that truly describe what agape love is. In closing this morning, God can thrive when we subside. What about our relationships within the church family? The church is perfect. The church got it all figured out because they've got their ESV Bibles. (laughs) They've got their ESV Bibles. Uh, We're singing the top 10 worship songs with great vigor. Uh, We painted everything perfectly. We have incredible lighting systems now. By the way, I feel like I'm going to be attacked by a B-52 bomber. It just has this visual... Right? We've got all these things figured out. We're per- we are a train wreck. Because we're insecure. Now listen, we're insecure in our relationship with God. We keep trying to do that role. Right? And if you have a hard time figuring this out, just look at any of the Pauline epistles. Nearly every Pauline epistle is speaking to a church in conflict, and Corinth was no exception. And over and over, we have to be reminded to stop doing it our way, and to put, make sure that Christ is preeminent in our heart, in our thinking, in our actions, and especially to one another. Amen? Amen. There is so much blame to go around, but rather than live in an insecure relationship with God, in an insecure relationship with others, when I start to apply who Jesus is, and when I start to truly believe the promises of God, it provides a security for my heart so I don't have to lock it away and protect it, but I can live the life that he has marked out for me, and let me give you the last few verses here. Remember, invest in what cannot be stolen, broken, or corrupted, God's unmitigated grace working in, through, and around you, free from dependency of reciprocity. Let's look at the next slide. When we think about this idea of relationships in the church family, I want you to walk away today with this central thought. God chose you, right? Janine and I love talking about our story and, and, and how it came together. And, you know, you ever come, come across that couple that you're out or you're, you're at, a, at a, a dinner party or something, and, and they just will not shut up about how they came together? That's Janine and I. We, don't invite us to dinner and ask us about our dating years and all that. We will just talk and talk and talk, and you'll just be, like, you know, regurgitating your food, and, and thinking, looking at your watch, oh my goodness, do these people ever stop with their unrelenting, passionate love story? No, we don't. Amen? I got one amen. Okay, great. The idea being this. When I knew that my wife chose me, that gave me an incredible level of security. And hopefully, she feels the same about me. But as precious as that is, that comes nowhere to comparing walking every, now listen, every day with the understanding that God chose me. And that choice required sacrificing the very thing he loved most if that doesn't make me secure every day, John 15, 16 are the specific words. I chose you, right? Ephesians two ten, For he, what, created us and was thinking about us before the creation of the world that we might do good things that he wants to do through us. How tremendous to know that he wants to do teamwork. How incredible to have that security that God is teaming up with me. It's a much better show than the one we got last week with the Super Bowl. Lastly, it's what I call the sweet 16. Remember, God chose you. For God, so what? loved the world that he gave without reciprocity, without codependency, without any requirement other than eventually we are now given the opportunity to choose in faith him. But he never chose us. He never made that sacrifice based off of reciprocity. You want security? Go to Sweet 16. Let me close in prayer. As I do so, I'm going to ask that you just quietly meditate on what you heard. Let's just take a moment. There's a lot to unpack in there. I hope it speaks to your heart today. I look out, and just even as I look out at those that are tuned in today, I know because you live in this world with me, that this is a subject that touches all of our hearts. Pursue him. The scripture that came to me while I was away on conference this week is, is Hebrews eleven six. For those who earnestly seek him, he will reward you. God has not intended that we have to live with insecurity in our relationships. And because of him, we can do that. So just go to prayer with him. Whatever the challenge is, whatever the difficulty, whatever the Spirit's bringing to your mind, turn that over to him. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth for thee. Father, you reached down. You chose me. I pray for each person here in the room today and for those that are listening right now and those that may listen to this message later on, that those moments come where your Spirit speaks to our hearts and we're faced with the opportunity to say yes. When those moments come, that is the indicator that he has chosen us. Let us not hesitate, let us not hedge our bets because of the insecurities of broken relationships around us, the hurt that has happened to us, the blame game of individuals throwing what man owns unto you god but let us see who you are in your truth in your love in your actions and let us say yes and let us walk in security knowing that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor heights nor depth, nor anything in the past, nor anything in the present. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Once we come to the realization of the truth, when that moment happens, when the Spirit speaks to us, and we're in in the sense of understanding that God has chosen me, and this is the moment where I say yes, that from that point forward, if there is a true commitment, Father, We are eternally secure with the one who is in no toxic relationship. There's no need for codependency. There is simply holy attributes of giving, caring, kindness, love, truth, honesty, grace, mercy. Father, these are the things that build a secure relationship. Let us demonstrate this one to another. Your son told us that the world will know us by our love, our love for you and our love for one another. Let us practice that. To you be all glory, Father. Amen.